So I guess since nobody else is gonna say it, I'm gonna have to be the one to say it. And I am so sorry in advance. Madonna's face looks weird. There, I feel better. Now we can start the show. Welcome everybody to the Atomic Skull Podcast. I hope that reality is treating you kindly. My name is Matthew. And look, I don't hate Christmas music. Okay, and this is not going to go where you think it's going to go. Actually, it might, but not in a way you're going to expect. I like Christmas music on my own terms that I get to choose. Do they have to play it at work while people are shopping for sex toys? Tell me that's not like a little bit weird. My sales director, my boss, told me that it gets people who are coming in thinking about buying Christmas gifts while they're shopping around the store. All right, let's break that down for a second. I hear a Christmas song and I start thinking about buying gifts, right? My first thought is, shit, I have to find something to buy my brother for Christmas. Now I'm looking at nipple clamps and thinking about my brother. And I'm not going to buy my brother nipple clamps. He barely uses the ones that he has. That's not a thought that I want. There's not enough rhino boner pills on earth that is going to bring me back from that thought to want to buy sexy shit. A lot of Christmas music makes me think of when I was a child. I can't believe I have to say this out loud, but that is an instant fucking deal breaker. And there isn't really a hell of a lot of Christmas music comparatively overall, right? There's like kind of a finite amount. So I might be in the sex store shopping and I hear Silent Night and I think to myself, oh, this is my grandma's favorite Christmas song. Now I'm thinking about my grandmother while shopping for an auto suck machine. And I'm going to be thinking about that for the entire song while I'm walking around the store. I wonder what grandma would think of this nine inch black dong with the balls on it. I think grandma would really appreciate the shape and realistic texture of the balls that are attached to this dong. I just don't think Christmas music works in that particular type of atmosphere. I never thought I'd miss hearing Mambo number five so much. While I'm in the Dildo Chronicles portion of the show, I want to reiterate how much I feel sorry for women by way of a conversational exchange that 100% happened this week. This was a male customer, okay? He says, what is this? He hands me a little packet of something that's by the register. I tell him this is a cooling and tingling gel. You put it on the clitoris and it will cool and then it will tingle. And his response to that was, for men or for women? At that moment, I wanted to buy every single woman who has ever had sex with a man flowers. Now, I'm not saying all men are clueless, boys, okay? But there is no female equivalent to that question. Oh my God. Now, let's talk about shitty breakfast plates. By the way, I'm pretty sure I am still hungover from last week's episode. 
a million thanks again to my very drunk sister Georgia for bringing the thunder for all of us. And then, of course, thank you to you guys for traveling with us. It was definitely a hell of a time. After we recorded the episode, by the way, she texted me and she was telling me that she read on the internet somewhere that the celebrities who were born on your birthday are your true dream blunt rotation. I wish I could brag about the celebrities that were born on my birthday, but it's pretty lame. I will, however, brag about the celebrities that share a birthday with my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, and are part of her dream blunt rotation because it is one hell of a fucking motley crew. Are you guys ready for this? All right. So, sharing her birthday, which is February 11th, by the way. It is in my notes here, but I do know that by heart. And the reason I know that is because year one when we were together, I made the grave mistake of asking her if we could combine her birthday and Valentine's Day for one big celebration. I cannot believe I made it out of that conversation alive. We do not combine the two of them. They are two very separate days, even though they are three days apart. My wallet cries at me every single February. All right, let's get back. So sharing my wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name's birthday, February 11th, is the immortal Jennifer Aniston, a genuinely funny, personable, and outspoken pothead. By the way, I fucking hate the show Friends, and I'm not really interested in your opinion about my opinion. I'll break it down in an episode sometime next year. Okay, we have Jennifer Aniston. Alongside her, we have Alex fucking Jones, which obviously piece of shit, right? By the way, I would like to congratulate Alex Jones on filing for bankruptcy and letting everybody know that his fortune tops out at $10 million when he owes $1 billion to the Sandy Hook families. I love seeing his career, his life, and his reputation just go right into the pavement. I know that might make me sound like an awful person, but I can sleep easy at night knowing that I am not as awful as him. However, objectively, objectively, dude could be a fucking hoot if you're passing around a blunt. Still a piece of shit. Alongside Aniston and Alex Jones is the late, great Burt Reynolds. He would be the coolest motherfucker in the room. We've got Taylor Lautner, which wouldn't even matter to Mrs. What's-Her-Name because she's Team Edward for some wacky reason. Those movies are fucking trash. Fuck those movies. Next, we have R&B singer Khalid. If you don't know who he is, he's the one who sings Silence by Marshmello, one of my favorite songs of the last like decade. He sings Lovely with Billie Eilish. He's got a fucking gorgeous voice. That's a killer addition. Uh, next to that, we've got Sarah Palin. Hear me out on this one. If I'm going to talk to Sarah Palin for whatever reason, I would want both she and myself to be high as balls. We've got Mike Shinoda from Linkin Park, Brandy, and then Kelly Rowland from Destiny's Child. Not only 
Is that an amazing blunt rotation? That would be a good baseball team. Am I right? Uh, We've got Reynolds in right field, Lautner on first, Palin on shortstop, and Alex Jones catching. I thought about this so much since looking it up that it's borderline strategizing. If anyone out there has a birthday blunt rotation that even gets close to that, let me know. Reach out to me in all of the ways that you know to reach out to me. You do it already. Speaking of shitty breakfasts, I think we were talking about that at some point. Sorry about that. My fault. The ones that I got from you guys were relatively universal. And something that made me feel all warm and fuzzy and shit was that my plate that I came up with last week is pretty damn balls on accurate as far as a representation of the worst breakfast dishes that I got from you guys, with the exception of Mrs. What's-Her-Name. Her nightmare breakfast plate included bagels, steak, fruit, and I'm quoting here, anything loxed. Atomic Skull Podcast at gmail.com. If you know any good lawyers that specialize in divorce, I suddenly find myself with a mighty need. Now for me and my nightmare breakfast plate, we are going to start with cottage cheese because fuck cottage cheese. I am taking a hard stance on this soft food. I don't care if Jennifer Lawrence is in that cottage cheese. I am not eating it. After cottage cheese, we've got grapefruit. Grapefruit is a dick. Next to grapefruit, in third, we've got Reese's Puffs. I love cereal. I love Reese's. Reese's Puffs are ass. Chocolate chip pancakes. Chocolate chip pancakes are good. They're fine when you're a kid. Chocolate chip pancakes were how you would sneak chocolate into breakfast and congratulate yourself for getting one over on your parents. But as an adult, if you order chocolate chip pancakes, you're just fucking weird. And then rounding out the plate, we've got oatmeal. And it's not because I actively don't like it. I don't have it very often, but something has to round out the list. I had to pull oatmeal from the, eh, it's fine list. I call it the Jack White list. Everything Jack White has done since the White Stripes, it's fine. It's good. Oatmeal is fine, but I had to find something to put on the list to make five items. So basically what I'm saying is Jack White is oatmeal. As far as the people that we would be ashamed to admit we did sex with, your responses to that question have been enlightening, to say the least. First and foremost, I got Steve Buscemi. And I think for me, it depends on which movie. Buscemi and the Wedding Singer, that's a no. Buscemi and Con Air, that would be a hard yes. I had someone closer to my age, which I'm not really sure if I've ever actually gone over my age on the show, but it is definitely a number. That's for sure. Someone my age-esque gave me two, which, you know, that's what I'm talking about. You got to adjust for inflation. Am I right? She said both Pete Davidson and Billy Bob Thornton. Those two gentlemen together form a piss-off-your-father 
perimeter. I also had someone right around my age tell me Justin Bieber. This is a judgment-free zone, right? Have we all had a moment where we've hooked up with someone a little trashy? I have. I definitely have a, it's not a soft spot, it's a hard spot, if you know what I'm talking about. I have a hard spot for trashy girls, which I am most certainly maybe a little ashamed to admit. Justin Bieber is a trashy pretty boy, and I definitely understand the idea of his appeal. He looks like the kind of dude who would ask that clitoris question. I had a fella reach out to me about Helen Hunt, and then another fella reach out to me about Joan Cusack. Between those two actresses, one of their faces looks like an ear and one of their faces looks like a foot. But I'm not going to say which is which because that would just be mean. I had a younger listener say Leonardo DiCaprio, but like today's Leonardo DiCaprio. For someone who's young, I suppose that might be a little embarrassing, but the rest of us know that Leo can get it. Every eight months or so, he comes home from the playground with the new arm candy du jour. He treats her like a pair of Chinese finger cuffs and then trashes her like she's a half-eaten jawbreaker. I think Mrs. What's-Her-Name might have a herpes fetish because she wants to get log-slammed by Tommy Lee. But also, she's had a thing for Adam Levine forever. So I think both of those two would be her answers. The douchier the musician, the more she likes him. Thank God she hasn't discovered Machine Gun Kelly yet. She might blow out a fucking ovary. I've been thinking about it all week for myself. And... I just don't think I have any shame. I guess my answer would be Jennifer Coolidge, but not really. I'd still tell everyone I smashed. Jennifer Coolidge is fucking awesome. All right, so I have a couple of things from the I wear black all the time, so I'm definitely going to be talking about these things in particular portion of the show. First off, gotta talk about Metallica releasing a new song and announcing a new album and a new tour. The new song is solid. You can hear Lemmy vibes all over it. For those of you non-metal weird kids out there, I'm referring to the late, great Lemmy Kilmister, the frontman for Motorhead. That dude was the real fucking deal. I don't care if your favorite shit is Selena Gomez, K-pop, or The Wiggles. Just add Motorhead, okay? So the new song has some strong-ass Motorhead vibes. Metallica... They're a lot closer to the end of their career than they are the beginning, right? Sorry, fellow old people. You know, sometimes that shit hurts. And nobody releases their best stuff late in their career. They don't really have anything to prove. The real ones know that they need to kind of step aside and let the next generation have their shot at creating the next big thing. But I like when musicians just write good shit that they would want to listen to instead of trying to remain super duper relevant. Metallica's sort of settled into that. And ever since they have, it's made their shit sound like a solid fine or better. They announced a huge ass world tour. And what they're doing on this tour, which I think is fucking awesome, they're playing two shows in each venue in every single city. They're playing them a day apart. So like one show on Friday and one show on Sunday. They're calling it a no repeat weekend. And they don't play 
any of the same songs at the shows. And I think that's fucking cool. And you know that your boy here absolutely scored tickets to both of those shows. I am super excited. I want to say it's like the ninth and tenth time I've seen him. It might be more. It's going to be way the fuck into next year. So I'm probably not going to be talking about it until at least then. I also wanted to talk about Wednesday. I am assuming literally everyone and their mother has watched at least a little bit of it. I wonder if my mom has watched it. I'm making my way through the program right now. I'm a few episodes in. So far, I would definitely categorize the show as valuing style over substance, which I don't always love, but I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. For me, if you're going to go with style over substance, you need to bullseye the style. And I have to admit, I think Wednesday did exactly that. It is right the fuck up my alley. Tim Burton is basically jerking off all over the screen in exactly the right way. I was thinking about this. I've always thought Tim Burton is kind of like a director that takes himself and what he does really seriously. I wonder if the idea of using the black and white stripes, which he always does way too much. I wonder how that's handled on a Tim Burton set. Like, do the cast and crew roast him about it? Or does he forbid everyone from talking shit about that trope that he does? Like, whenever he wants the stripes in a scene, does he tell his costume designer or, like, his DP to Burtonize it? Like, we're going to have to Burtonize those curtains and that guy's shirt and her socks. You know what? Let's just Burtonize every single character in the shot socks and the couches. I'm surprised I haven't seen Johnny Depp on Wednesday yet. He is Tim Burton's ultimate whoopee. Don't ruin it for me, you guys, but if he shows up in the show in any way, shape, or form, it would not surprise me. While I'm on the subject of directors, your movie nerd friends are all up in arms about some shit that Quentin Tarantino said about comic book movies uh, just recently. Why are so many popular genius directors such narcissistic blowhards? Tarantino, Martin Scorsese, James Cameron, Steven Spielberg have all had some really harsh things to say about comic book movies. The thing is, they're annoyingly not wrong. They all agree that comic book movies are killing cinema, which is true, but comic book movies have never really been about art. Comic book movies are about entertainment. Movies don't always have to make a statement. Sometimes they're just a fucking escape from reality. Spielberg made a movie about an alien who can make bicycles fly and likes Reese's Pieces. Tell me that doesn't sound like an excuse to escape reality. I'm not suspending disbelief about the levitating bike. I will buy that. It's the Reese's Pieces that I'm not gonna fucking purchase. You do know they had plain M&Ms back then. I don't care what planet you're from, M&Ms kick Reese's Pieces ass. We're taking a hard stance on that here at the Atomic Skull Podcast. Scorsese accused comic book movies of all essentially being the same thing over and over again. Meanwhile, every 
fucking Scorsese movie is at least 20 minutes too long, starts with the main character narrating exposition over pan-wide shots, it has freeze frames, it stars De Niro or DiCaprio, one of the two, oversaturates the undertones about his love for New York City, and every character says fuck over and over and over again. If anybody here saw The Irishman, which was released back in like 2020, if you started watching that movie in 2020, chances are you're still fucking watching it and not even listening to the fucking podcast. That movie lasts longer than the shelf life of most good cheeses. And as good of a fucking movie as it was, it was a fucking snooze fest. And James Cameron... Now, I talked about style over substance. Avatar is a perfect example of that. The only difference is that Cameron is certain Avatar had substance, which it did when it was originally released in 1992, and they called it Fern Gully or Pocahontas. Take your pick, because he smashed those two stories together and repackaged it as a pretty 3D movie with a bunch of big old fucking blue people. Tarantino is hard to fucking pigeonhole because he's one of my favorite directors. I could go after the whole foot fetish thing, but that would be way too easy. The point I'm trying to make, you guys, is even the best directors aren't perfect, so maybe they shouldn't throw stones. Sometimes it's art, sometimes it's entertainment, sometimes it's mutually exclusive. I do think Disney as a whole, as such a big company, And they're pumping out a lot of bright and shiny stuff that blinds us to a lot of other things that are coming out. I will absolutely admit to that. But also, there's just not as much good artistic cinema coming out right now. I always get so torn when the people with the most talent in any medium end up having their heads so far up their own asses. Bob Dylan is like that too. He's such a fucking asshole but also whenever he says anything that annoys me i catch myself saying what the fuck are you bob dylan or something fuck he is bob dylan son of a bitch one director that i do want to talk about that i like a lot of the things that he has done is going to bring us to the best and worst of the week the best of the week is everything in on and around the movie Glass Onion. Maybe the best movie that I've seen so far this year, definitely in the top three. I should mention that there are a few others that I need to catch up on, so we'll get to that a little down the line. All right, I am going to plow through some of the particulars of those involved with this movie, so get ready to take notes. There will be a quiz at the end. Ryan Johnson directed Glass Onion. For those of you who don't know Ryan Johnson, I recommend damn near everything he has done. The first movie of his that I saw, it was over a decade ago, was called Looper with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis. The movie was a total mindfuck, and I loved his approach to the idea of time travel. After Looper, Johnson did Star Wars The Last Jedi. I don't really like Star Wars The Last Jedi. Because of the franchise, I think that Johnson was put on a really tight leash. But also, I don't really like Star Wars in particular. Uh, Especially this latest trilogy of movies. Atomic Skull Podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to your hate mail, you fucking nerds. I have this idea, actually, 
for this episode that I might do, maybe next year-ish or something, where I try to justify things that I don't like that everyone else likes, but without any of you crazies getting mad at me. There's a lot of them. And I want you to know that I don't intentionally try to be that guy, but it gets so tiring having to justify not being the same as everybody else over and over again just because I don't like the things that everybody else does. So maybe I can just make one episode where I put all of that together and link all the fucking cucks who light me up about the shit that I don't like and use that bile to increase my traffic. If I could actually pull that off, that would be one hell of a business model. I would be like the Limp Biscuit of podcasts, which that's one of the shittier labels I've ever given myself. And that is saying something. Okay, let's get back on the rails. The next movie that uh, Ryan Johnson did after the whole Star Wars thing was Knives Out. If you haven't seen Knives Out... I mean, first listen to the rest of this episode and then go watch the flick. I am a total whore for anything resembling a heist, a caper, or a murder mystery. Knives Out is a sleek, updated version of an old-school classic murder mystery, and it's one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years. Also, by the way, not a comic book movie, but was fantastically made, well-received, and it did great. Won Academy Awards and was huge with uh, moviegoers. A perfect example that if it's a good movie and the studio actually has the balls to get it made, it will reach people. Now, not only was the story killer, no pun, but the cast was stacked and the actors who were in it got to flex a little bit of actual muscle when it came to playing characters and having roles that they never usually play. Michael Shannon, who is usually a super intense dramatic actor, used that same intensity in a comedic role. And he was fucking hysterical. I hope he ends up doing more comedy because that dude's got some chops. And then, of course, my future ex-husband Chris Evans played a sleazy, arrogant piece of shit in the movie, which somehow made him more attractive to me. Hashtag daddy issues. The star and the highlight of the movie, though, was Daniel Craig, who plays an old-fashioned southern fried sleuth named Benoit Blanc. I even fucking love the name. Before the movie, I couldn't tell you the last time I heard the word sleuth used on celluloid. My favorite part of the whole thing was how much fun Daniel Craig obviously had when playing the character. I loved him as James Bond, but eventually he just looked miserable playing that role. I think he regretted taking it the second the first movie came out because he knew he was stuck for like four fucking movies. In Knives Out though, he looked like he was having the time of his life and that just added to the charm of the whole fucking picture. Glass Onion is the sequel to Knives Out. Daniel Craig comes back with a brand new and equally stacked cast and another very different but insane murder mystery to solve that just has as many ridiculous twists and turns and shit as the first movie did. Maybe even more. I think I've talked about it before, but it isn't easy to make a good sequel, especially when there's only sort of 
one thing you can talk about. You can't really do anything other than a murder mystery. If you've seen Knives Out, that's just what the movie was. I can't imagine how insurmountably hard it must be to create a completely different, completely separate, but still intriguing mystery movie that doesn't repeat any of the plot points of the first one. But Ryan Johnson, he writes and directs all the movies that he's done so far. He did a flawless job of making another murder mystery that has nothing in common with the previous movie. It's got a different location, a different element, a different cast, a different dynamic. This movie had Ed Norton at his Ed Norton-ist. Either you understand what I mean or you don't about that. If you don't, uh, we're going to need to go to coffee or something so I can break it down. Kate Hudson and Katherine Hahn are both wonderful and Dave Batista is in it. He's fucking great. I don't think any of us have realized that Batista has been in a shit ton of stuff over the last few years and has made a ton of money and he's got a ton more shit on the way. Dude has been doing a great job. I hope his booking agent gets a holiday bonus. Daniel Craig comes back and just has a fucking blast again in the movie. I loved him in it. But Janelle Monet steals the show. Every fucking scene that girl is in, particularly with Daniel Craig, bursts on screen. I had a great fucking time watching it. The movie was made by Netflix and I think it's going to stream on Christmas Day, but they put it in the theater for a few days, like literally like three or four days because of this ridiculous rule that the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences came up with that a movie that's made is required to be in the theater for at least a day to be eligible for an Academy Award. Don't get me wrong. I prefer seeing movies in a theater. Every time I walk into a movie theater and I see the obnoxious loud fucking carpet and I smell the popcorn drowned in butter, it is magic to me. And I'm being completely genuine here. I fucking love going to the theater. There is no energy like it. When a movie is good and the audience is right, it's like nothing else you can experience. However, it's damn near 2023 and movies are being delivered to us in a lot more different ways than they ever have before. And the Motion Picture Academy needs to kind of catch themselves up with the times and stop taking themselves so fucking seriously. Yes, streaming services are shitting out movies one after the other. Yes, a lot of them are fucking trash. But just like regular movies released in the theater ever since theaters were fucking made, a lot of movies are trash. Some movies might be good. They should be taking a little more time to put a little more care in the movies. But every now and again, when you throw spaghetti against the wall, something sticks. Imagine if the Recording Academy had a rule that artists needed to release their new music onto a CD to be eligible for a Grammy. That would be fucking ridiculous. Meanwhile, go watch those two movies, Knives Out and then Glass Onion. You will be glad you did. For the worst of the week and... This whole thing continues to suck. There are some very sad obits that I have to touch on. I didn't want to mention this one last week because I didn't want to bring the whole drunk vibe down with my first guest, What's Her Ho? But Jason David Frank dying was a huge gut punch. I watched Power Rangers when I was a kid. And besides Amy Jo Johnson, who was every young straight boy's crush, Tommy was my favorite Power Ranger. When he came back as the White Ranger, 
I guess I should say spoilers on that one, but if you haven't seen it at this point, I have to imagine you're probably not going to. When he came back as the White Ranger, I was totally fucking juiced. And he's done a lot of great work with the kids, with his fans since then. He kind of found notoriety rocking comic cons all over the world as being this super gracious super awesome guy and he's like the kind of dude who would talk to anyone who wanted to talk to him for as long as they wanted to talk to him and i respect that so much i'm going to give different versions of the same fucking speech and i will not apologize for it ever and this isn't the if you're having a hard time reach out to a friend speech because for people who are actually having a hard time it doesn't always work that way what i want to say is that if you think someone you care about even a little bit is having a hard time don't be afraid to reach out to them there are very few words more important in the english language than how are you I end every episode with that question because I genuinely want to know. I genuinely want each person listening to my stupid fucking voice barfing out these stupid fucking thoughts to know that it matters to me to know how you're doing. But also, I want you to think about how you're doing. Take a snapshot of where you are at that particular moment. If you feel inclined to answer the question that I ask at the end of every episode, please fucking reach out and do that. It matters to me. But also take the time and take the thought to ask the same question to people that are around you. Make it matter to you. Make it matter to them. Ask often. Make it weird. Most of the struggling that I've done, I have done in complete silence, completely alone. To this day, the hardest parts of my life where I was hurting the most, no one knows about them. No one knows because I didn't just, I just didn't have the strength to reach out. During those moments, I didn't matter enough to myself to try to improve my situation. And I certainly didn't believe I mattered enough to anyone else to think that reaching out would matter. In those times, if someone would have asked me how I was doing, it could have changed everything. I am asking you guys, whoever it is that you're talking to that is in front of you or on the other end of the phone or in your DMs, Please don't ever skip over the part of the conversation where you ask how they're doing. It is one question, it is three words, and it can absolutely change someone's life. The other one that I couldn't possibly skip over is Christine McVie from Fleetwood Mac. That one was a shocker and it was tough. She's family right? She is full of talent. She played that piano beautifully. She sang beautifully in a band full of assholes. No one ever had a bad word to say about her. And what makes me grateful is that she was 79 years fun. She lived it, man. She made it she made it a long way. When we were living in our very first apartment together, Mrs. What's-Her-Name wrote lyrics from You Make Love and Fun on our bathroom mirror. And it was one of the sweetest things that she had ever done. I will never fucking forget that. As much as I would love to make that the song of the week, I'm sure down the line I will, I am going to go with something that is a little bit more appropriate 
for the occasion. It's off the same album, the fucking powerhouse masterpiece Rumors. Not only one of the greatest albums of the 70s, but easily one of the greatest albums of all time. Every song on that album is a smack. The song of the week this week is the beautiful and haunting Songbird by Fleetwood Mac, written performed and sung by Christine McVie and Christine alone. It was one of the songs that was a top contender for when Mrs. What's-Her-Name walked down the aisle at our wedding. And it's just a fucking lovely number. Please go listen to it. It's been added to the Atomic School Podcast Songs of the Week playlist on Spotify. If you haven't checked out that whole ass list, there's almost 20 songs on there. I obviously stand behind all of them. Before I go, I wanted to hide the very little shame I had at the end of the episode for you select few who made it the long way with me. I waited in the digital queue on the Bath & Body Works website not once, but twice. Two times for Candle Day because those bastards actually impose limits on the number of candles that you can buy this year. You can expect me to post a picture of my haul after I get them and put on your judgment goggles because there is going to be a lot. As I record this right now, there is literally a candle right behind me that is burning that smells like a caramel old fashioned and it is delightful so you can suck my ass. I want to say thanks to you guys so much for taking a little time during a cold December to listen to me bitch about movies. You guys know it is always very much appreciated. It means all of it. Having this podcast has given me so much purpose in my life that I feel like I didn't have before. And the amount of reaching out that you guys have done about every single episode has been Nothing short of truly wonderful, and I want to thank you for that. Please keep spreading the word out there. I went through my Spotify wrapped for the podcast stuff, and I am completely overjoyed, emotional, and in shock with the results and how much my audience has grown and the amount of sharing this whole shit show you guys have been doing. I'll be giving you more info on that somehow in the coming days and weeks. You'll definitely see it on the Instagrams at Atomic Skull Podcast. Follow me there if you haven't already. If you know someone who might like this shit, please have them follow me on Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Music as well. Rate me five stars. Things are progressing and it feels fucking amazing. It truly does. And it's because of each and every one of you guys who are taking time to listen and support and spending the effort and the energy to help me get the word out. We are nothing without each other. I am nothing without you. And that is the fucking truth. Next week, you guys, we are going to start getting up into the guts of Christmas, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I can't wait to jump into that with you guys. I will see you then. I want to congratulate myself for having a whole ass episode without a food metaphor or a reference to shitting. I'm as surprised as you guys are. Apologies to my mother-in-law, who, by the way, sided with me on an argument against her own daughter on Thanksgiving. That is a pretty amazing mother-in-law right there. Before I go, I want to ask, truly, How are you doing?